Hey everybody, it looks like lots of people are still at lunch and that's awesome. So we're gonna do this a little bit differently than the speakers that were here this morning. Um, TED Talk style is not really for me. I'd much rather just have a good conversation with a great colleague of mine. And we're gonna talk about direct consumer and how it's expanding as this digital age kind of uh, unfolds itself in front of the alcohol industry. So. I thought we are here just for the dessert. Well, we are, but <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So, I'm Justin Nolan. I am privileged to be a part of the direct consumer team at Treasury Wine Estates. Um, Treasury Wine Estates has an amazing portfolio, and one of the things that I love about it is that it reaches people uh, in the beginning of sort of their wine journey. It introduces people to the category with uh, Snoop Dogg's Cali Red. Uh, but it also has every aspect that you could possibly want out of wine, right? So you go from Snoop Dogg's Cali Red and Cali Rosé all the way to the, uh, I don't know if this is an announcement, but the 2019 George De La Tour's 100-point score that everybody's going to want in their cellar. So we kind of get to reach a lot of different audiences, and I love being part of the, the direct-to-consumer team. Uh, I wanted to, again, have a conversation, so I brought the single best digital marketer in the wine industry with me today. Uh, fortunate to have him at my side at Treasury. Uh, this is Shem Swerkis of Treasury. Yeah, thank you, Shem Swerkis. It's Swerkis like circus and family of, you know, four kids, and my parents called us the Swerkus Circus. Shem, it's um, a Bible name. Shem, Ham, and Japheth were the three sons of Noah, which uh, my mom always says she should have named me Ham. I don't know if it's because I like to be on stage or because I'm mostly hungry all the time. But that lunch was really good. Dessert was really good. Stuffed soul. I felt like a stuffed soul after it. I work with Justin here, and I tell, tell terrible jokes all the time. That's my thing. Um, and um, doing digital innovation at Treasury. All right, so let's talk direct-to-consumer. Direct-to-consumer wine, what is most people think about it? It's going to the tasting room and going to the tasting room and going to the tasting room, which is awesome. It's a beautiful experience. It's what a lot of people get out of wine. It's part of the hospitality, uh, part of our organizations. But direct-to-consumer wine actually means an awful lot more. Uh, it is the email. It is e-commerce. It is club. It is events. It is uh, digital marketing. Uh, it's content marketing, it's social marketing, it's all sorts of different things that all lead into one kind of direct relationship with your customer. Uh, it meets a lot of different components. So everybody that's in direct-to-consumer kind of plays a lot of different hats. And as this digital world continues to evolve, we want to look back at direct-to-consumer and the people that are in it and the skill sets that they're developing and saying, what can we mine from that and what can we continue to get out of that? So, my first question for you, Shem. Why is direct-to-consumer the original omni-channel? Well, I think here what we're talking about is the relationship building because we know that the consumer is going to want to purchase the products that they're after wherever it is most convenient for them. And it's been kind of hammered throughout the morning and talked about, and one of the examples that I really like is the example of Amazon, and we go back to them because they're so good at it, and when you think about how you shop on Amazon and how you shop, like for, for Amazon Alexa, for example, um, if the consumer is going to that 
platform and saying, please show me wine, or I want to buy wine, or I want to buy whiskey, and they're not saying your brand specifically, you have already lost. It's that relationship building where we need to, need to connect to the consumer. We need to develop them over time to have, it's not just us talking to them, it's us listening and having that conversation. Yeah, and if you think about it, we're direct consumers sort of touching that consumer at any different aspect of their journey, right? If they're coming out to a tasting room, they're buying on, you know, they're, they're, they're buying in the store. Uh, we want them to come back and buy online because that's what's going to build that customer lifetime value. We'd love for them to join a loyalty program, which is what we, for the most part, consider our clubs to be. We need a great mobile experience. We need a great online experience. We need to reach them through social media uh, in a number of different ways. So it continues to be this, this sort of omni-channel experience in a very small microcosm of an ecosystem. Um, so it allows you to learn a lot of different skill sets. Uh, so skill development in, in, in DTC is sort of the, where I think there's an opportunity to be mining your own teams, to be looking at the resources that you have and saying, how do we collaborate with all of these people across the direct-to-consumer uh, parts of our businesses and saying, what are they doing? What are they doing differently? What are they, maybe they can't even identify it necessarily, but what are the skills that they have that we might be able to leverage into this digital future? What do you think from a, a skill set perspective um, should, should people be looking for? What's the most important things going forward from a, a digital perspective? Um, what, what skills should we not be looking for? <laughs> there, there's so many skills needed, and, and so that's where it gets challenging, right? Because we have to build this whole ecosystem that goes into every digital channel, but the ability to learn, the ability to adapt, the ability to pick up things quickly, and you know, it's, it's one of those situations, and we're interviewing for quite a number of roles right now, and, and one of the, you know, everybody has all the skills listed on their resume, and I can work with this platform, that platform, and that's, that's great. But at the end of the day, it's like, can you really, can you really, um, do you know the answer, or are you adept at, at finding the answer? Are you good at going to get what the answer is? Because if you tell me every time I ask you a question, if you always have the answer, I, I don't know if that's staying cutting edge in a digital world. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we, we saw uh, presentations this morning from our, our colleagues at, at Commerce 7, right? Looking at personalization across the entirety of the website platform. You know, that's so much of that is, is UX development, right? It's thinking about what makes a difference to the customers on our website. What are the things that we can test because whether it works for somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for us. It probably will, so maybe give it a shot. And if you haven't talked to the guys at Commerce 7, do so. Um, same different, you know, the same kind of thing when, you, you know, we, we, we saw Josh uh, Jacobs talking from, from Speakeasy, right? Where he kept kind of pointing out all of the different elements of content, all of the different elements of control and of storytelling, and all of those little pieces that continue to drive this broader development necessary for your teams. Because it's, it's not going to necessarily be agencies that can control all of that for you. It's got to be your own teams that really understand it and really dig behind the stories that you have. That's, that's a great point, Justin. I like how you bring that out because we can find somebody to do the platform. Commerce 7 does a great job. We can find somebody to put that personalization in, but nobody knows your business better than you. And if you're not thinking through how 
the customer is going to interact with the website and driving that home, then, then how, how are these tools going to be useful for you? And so that's, that's a really good point. And, and why is it important? I, and everybody's been showing statistics all day today, right? I don't think we're the first people to say, hey, guys, we're going to have growth in e-commerce. You think this internet thing's for real? You know, I'm still kind of on the fence of whether people should are going we, to be using the internet. Uh, this is from Rabobank. I know it got cited earlier today. Um, and I actually want to thank Tammy uh, Ackerman from the Treasury team because I literally stole this off of one of her slides. Um, again, online grocery up 15% in 2022. These are growth estimates. Online alcohol marketplace is up 15% in 2022. We don't expect those uh, to decline. We expect them to keep growing, and those are the areas that we're going to continue to see growth in alcohol. But it gets more important than just that. Uh, and this is, I, I think, one of my favorite slides. It uses a super cliche metaphor uh, of a giant iceberg. Um, but the attributed sales, the actual sales that we know we can see, that we can directly, because we're using the you know, a, a appropriate attribution methods, we can say our digital ad drove that exact sale each and every time is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, digitally influenced sales is, is the absolute leader. It's the important part of the, the broader discussion. What do you think about digitally influenced sales? Where do we go from here? Yeah, so this is this is a really interesting slide because you you see the way it's represented with there's being so much underneath the surface. And the reason this makes sense is because when you think about digital ads from an e-commerce perspective and from a DT, DCC, DTC perspective that when we're, when we're putting these ads out there, typically in a DTC environment, they have to have a direct relation to sales. So you're able to quantify very quickly how these ads are returning and what kind of um, impact they're having. An, an ad that shows up on your social media feed that someone just scrolls through, you got an impression, that's great, but did it really impact them? Did it really drive them to something? And we don't care if they buy on the website. We don't care if they buy direct to consumer. We want to build the brand as its entirety, but the ability to show that there is a relation, even if it's a one-to-one -one relation in ad spend versus the revenue that's coming in allows us to scale even more and that that scale lets us touch more people that then could be buying anywhere you have to remember that if there's a three percent conversion rate on like that's kind of accepted as the good conversion rate on website which is actually not good or doesn't even really matter depending on what you're doing but if, if somebody's doing three percent there's somebody doing ten percent and there's somebody doing zero percent and then what's happening with the rest of that traffic that's getting exposed to your brand and where they're going. Yeah, so that's a good point. Let me just hammer that home for anybody that, out of 100 people that visit your website, conversion rate is the percentage of those people that actually make the purchase, right? So we got a 3% conversion rate. Out of 100 people, three of them bought from us, and we consider that success. 97 people left our website, didn't buy from us at all. But they engaged with the brand. They engage with the storytelling. They engage with some aspect of it that is going to continue that their likelihood of maybe purchasing from our brand in the future in the channel that they prefer is much, much higher than it was prior to that experience. And that's the same thing when somebody goes on to Instacart. The same thing when somebody goes on to Kroger. It's if they see the brand, even if they don't buy it during that, that time, 
if they saw content, if they saw a little bit of story, if they understand a little bit more about the brand, the likelihood of them engaging with it in the future and then buying in the channel that they prefer goes up dramatically. Which drives us to, and this is, I think, my favorite slide and probably my, my, my favorite quote, that DTC isn't just a channel, it's an ethos. If you think about DTC purely as a, a channel for your customers to buy from you, you're kind of doing DTC wrong. Uh, DTC is about having that customer relationship. It's about understanding that your customers will buy where they want to buy, but you can continue to have a relationship with them and continue to tell them stories and continue to build upon those relationships time and time again. What benefits do you get from thinking about DTC as an ethos as opposed to purely as a channel? Well, as we get into attribution, for example, and, and if you would picture this slide next to the last slide, and you think how, how attribution happens and, and what we're attributing, and then when we have a relationship with the customer, as that gets built, and, and we're thinking, this ad that they saw for two seconds, did that influence the sale? Well, there's gonna become a point in time when we think about how, how iOS has impacted the, the con our ability to attribute revenue and, and the conversions of customers, that that 3% of conversions may be 150%. And your only truth is your CRM. So if we're not developing that relationship, how do we, how do we take that data in? How do we use that? to continue to drive the consumer. Absolutely. So in thinking about that, in thinking about DTC as an ethos, as a broader understanding of how we want to reach our customers, digital marketing is direct-to-consumer marketing. Everything that we do from a digital standpoint is a direct-to-consumer pathway. And that isn't because we're not doing purely brand awareness style campaigns, right? because purely brand awareness, you might say, well, that's not really direct to consumer. You're opening it up to as big of an audience as you possibly can. What makes it a direct to consumer approach is the, well, what's next? What's the piece after the broad awareness campaign? What's the retargeting? What's the email campaign? What are all of the other ways that you're using to engage with that customer in the what's next perspective? With all of the planning to really be thoughtful about it, Everything we do in digital marketing should be considered a direct-to-consumer approach. When you think about content, right, and content distribution and sort of all of the broad ways that you can reach a, a customer in a direct-to-consumer way, but in a, a way that is engaging and driving new awareness, what do you look at as sort of the, the most important aspect that organizations should be looking at right now? Do, is the content specifically speaking to the consumer that you're targeting? So if I'm targeting, for example, um, with current things that are currently happening, I mean, the NBA playoffs is going on right now, and say I want to target and speak to Golden State Warriors fans, am I acknowledging? The Warriors? Yep, Warriors. Yeah, they're going to win tomorrow night. 
Hope, hope you're all fans and going to be watching the game. Um, <laughs> I don't work for the Warriors. I just love the Warriors. But so, so if I'm targeting the Golden State Warriors fans, do I acknowledge, and, and granted there are things with copyrights that we can't say Golden State Warriors, but we can talk about people in the Golden State. We can talk about playoffs. We just can't say NBA or Golden State. So am I going to acknowledge that the people that I'm talking to and targeting in these digital ads and speak to them in a way that says, I, I am talking to you and I care about you, not just I'm targeting Golden State Warrior fans because it's a NBA playoffs, they should buy my product and I'm gonna say 40% off my product or 30%, whatever the deal is. But recognizing who we're targeting, developing not only the messaging, but also the creative, am I including colors in a certain way? Am I including something that relates to basketball so that I can really identify with that specific target audience? So even in a brand awareness style of campaign, you can still be relevant to a particular audience in a, in a meaningful way. Relevant to that specific audience instead right. of blanketing everybody. And that's not just from a customer perspective. That's not just in this, okay, it's direct to consumer, so it's very meaningful to this person that is going to buy from us or that person that's going to buy from us. But think about it in the broader terms of who all of your customers might be and what are all the pieces that connect them together. And again, you're gonna see a bit of a trend here, right? We're gonna talk content, we're gonna talk ads, and we're gonna talk analytics. Um, so. First and foremost, we just talked about targeted content. We should be talking about some media ads. What are we buying? Why does it matter? And then third, because we are DTC focused, it's the analytics. It's what are all of the different KPIs we can be measuring to be thoughtful about how we're performing and can we be more successful down the road? So when you think about retail customers, so our, our actual you know, customers where, wherever they may buy, we love if you buy directly from us. Come to our website, enjoy, it's great. Um, but w I think we recognize that being channel agnostic uh, is actually the most important way to go. We want people to buy wherever they wanna buy. But when you think about retail customers and you think about sort of those wholesale customers, right? The independent uh, restaurants that are out there, the uh, independent liquor stores, all of those different people that may still be buying online. They're still buying e-commerce. It's just in a different channel. What are the pieces that really connect those two together? Yeah, so really it, it's, you can't talk to your customers if they aren't connected to you. And you can't talk to your customers and have relationships with your customers if you're not listening to them. So when Justin, when you talk about analytics, like, like I love KPIs, I love, you know, revenue numbers and we blow through a revenue number or, you know, we hit, these targets that we're, we're aiming for, that's great. But then what are, the, what are the KPIs that show how our consumers are interacting with our website? And then when we take that and understand who's actually buying for us, how are we gonna create those ads? How are we gonna create that content and message specifically to them or people like them? Because we, we, we are gonna assume that the people that resonate with our direct-to-consumer products are gonna be some of the same type of people that are buying in the retail space. And so how do we develop and continue that relationship? Right, and, and thinking about the, again, if, it, if there's that comparison of targeted content, right? We know that it's specific to them, it's specific to, the, to our retail customers. It's, it's also understanding what channel they're buying in, right? And, and thinking about 
if they're buying in Instacart, they're buying in Drizzly, if they're buying in, again, great conversations with, with Tammy Ackerman at, at Treasury who, who heads these things up, you know, she's we're really thoughtful around the, that, that impactful content right on the product page. What are we, what's the name of the product? What's the one image that we're showing and making sure that it's, it's, it's the best image that we can put out there versus if we're really getting out to the consumer from an awareness standpoint and, and broadly speaking, we want to give them so much more engagement and so many other things. So understanding where they're at in their journey is the, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle, but it does all have to be connected, doesn't it? Yeah, it all has to be connected. We have to move them. You know, you know another thing to think about here when you say connected and, and what they're actually interested in, just because they buy direct on the website their first time does not mean that's where they're going to buy the next time. It's not a one-size-fits-all. They're always going to buy here. They're always going to buy this way or this product. And you know, if, if we're optimizing for all these channels, making sure the right image is on the right page, the right titles, whether there's pictures in the, whether there's text in the product image, those things, like we're gonna make sure that, that we're always staying top of mind with this consumer. Meeting the consumer where the consumer already is. Exactly. All right, so kind of getting this, this is sort of final thoughts to consider, and I, I said there would be a, a, a bit of a trend here. When we're building our team, or we're looking for resources, uh, whether those are internal resources or external resources, I've kind of laid out the three, what I think are the most important areas that we could be uh, staffing up in, that we could be getting better resourced at. Um, and this, this kind of flows across the entire digital spectrum. And this is how we collaborate with our brand teams. This is how we collaborate with our, our, our three-tier e-commerce team. This is how we collaborate as the DTC team. Um, and, and those three areas that I've laid out are, are content development and distribution, uh, which are two different things, but I, I think skill sets that are, are both necessary. Performance marketing and digital marketing from the, the, the analyst perspective, right? Again, content, paid media, analytics. Of those three, which area do you start with? Which area do you focus on first if you want to build a successful digital program? Well, you can't, um, you can't drive to the store if you don't have a car. So you probably need a website first, and you probably need the me means to measure what's going on. So the first place you start is making sure you have your house in order, making sure that you have the, the analytics. And, and you know, there's, there's free tools out there. I think it's been talked about quite a bit. But um, making sure that you have the website, you have the pieces in place, and then content, and, and I have to say this, Justin, because it, I, I can't say it enough, and it, I don't think it gets said enough. When we say content, it's not just images. It's not just videos. If you think about content from the perspective of you know, what the, the long form piece is, what the story is that you're trying to say, and, and not just the story about your product and who you are, but putting your customer as the hero in that journey and you're the guide. How does your customer want to be talked to? How do they want to be spoken to? What is going to resonate with them? What are those long form pieces that you can write out and then you can start to develop what's the imagery that goes with that? What's the video that goes with that? And then how are we going to distribute this? Because now that we have this long form piece, we have the opportunity to make all these short form pieces. We have the opportunity to dice this up in different ways. And then we can begin to measure how it performs and put an actual 
cohesive, comprehensive campaign together. So starts with analytics, understanding who your customer is, moves to content so you can give your customer something of value and have them there, drives into performance marketing so you have your house in order and now you actually want to get people to come there and then it goes all the way back to analytics again and saying, how do you do it better? Yeah, maybe act like you like your customer. And you have to act like you like your customer, which we do. Yeah. Awesome. And I think we are three minutes over. Yeah. So thank you guys very much. We appreciate you having us. We thank you. We're glad to be the first people after lunch. So if you came in after, uh, thanks anyways. Nice to be quiet. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you.